0: Section ninety-three of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume Thirteen, The United States, edited by Eva March Tappan, Section Ninety-Three. The Indian Story of the Custer Tragedy eighteen seventy seven by James McLaughlin. In the first place, Mrs. Spotted Hornbull was there, which is more than can be said for some of the other ladies and gentlemen who have told of the events of that dreadful day when Custer led his gallant fellows into the jaws of death and worse she was not then carried on the rolls of the indian department as mrs spotted hornbull a more imaginative sponsor than the indian agent had given her the more euphonious and let us hope more correctly descriptive appellation of p t San waste wind twenty-eight years ago when she first came to the agency at standing rock when spotted hornbull who was killed with sitting bull was still in the land of the living dakotas she was a strikingly good-looking indian woman and much esteemed by her neighbors for her intelligence and capacity she had also the gift of eloquence rare in an indian woman and a fluency in language and readiness of gesture which placed her high in the esteem of her story-loving tribesmen and many a big man among the sioux had been content to hold his peace when Petisan Wastewind waste wind raised her voice not that the voice was raucous or that beautiful white cow the english rendition of her name was a scold i have heard a story that she on one occasion manhandled a big chief of the sioux nation who she learned had maligned her and that the manhandling followed his remark woman be silent you have the mouth of a white man and knowing mrs spotted hornbull as i do i have never doubted the verity of the incident so far as her attack was concerned she is now a sturdy upstanding woman of sixty to sixty-five years of age born of the hunk papa sioux a band that has provided the nation with many of its noted men she was handsome according to the indian canons of taste in her youth and indeed i am not sure that the indian taste in these matters might not well be accepted by some more advanced peoples she was married in early youth to spotted hornbull a chief of his band and a man of prominence as a warrior and adviser but no orator she appears to have brought to the family the attributes in which her husband was lacking for she sat in council of her tribe and i know of no other indian woman of her nation who was so signally honored her voice was always listened to for in addition to her gift of eloquence she was a clear thinker and could make effective the ideas of her silent husband since she became a widow and the sioux no longer hold counsels her neighbors seek her advice in business matters she has steadfastly refused to accept christianity though she has listened to all the arguments that have been made to her she elects to cling to the beliefs of her fathers a fact that does not at all detract from the esteem in which the missionaries hold her a few months ago i met mrs spotted hornbull by appointment at my son harry's trading store located at oak creek on the standing rock reservation she had come in fifteen miles from her home on the missouri river near the mouth of oak creek for the meeting i was accompanied by a friend and she greeted us with the effusive welcome of her people as different as possible in its warmth and volubility from the greeting one not acquainted intimately with the sioux might expect she was a striking figure as she stood up to greet us this historian and poetess of the sioux wore the ordinary costume of a woman of her people but her gingham dress was of the campbell plaid, her shawl blanket of native make her moccasins neat her jetty hair falling into braids on each side of a smiling and expressive countenance she looked a much younger woman than she really was and by way of demonstrating that she still felt young she danced a few steps laughingly declaring that she had met and danced with many prominent people it was after a substantial supper to which mrs spotted hornbull did full justice that we sat down in my son's little parlour and listened to her story of the affair on the little big horn i have always deplored the fact that english writers have never been able to render in their native elegance and appositeness the similes used by indian orators and story-tellers i now deplore the lack of that same capacity in myself mrs spotted hornbull exhausted the stores of her flowery vocabulary in the relation we listened to she talked with great fluency her voice pitched to a sort of breathless stage of excited feeling i remember hearing a young woman declaim the chorus in henry the put on by an american actor-manager a few years ago the sioux story-teller reminded me of the actress she illustrated her every sentence in pantomime and when she feared that she had not pictured the scene her memory brought up she seized a pencil and paper and drew a sketch of the valley of the little Big Horn, showing the location of the indian village on the west bank the distribution of the bands of the sioux the points of attack by custer and reno and the fatal hill now marked by a monument where custer fell this sketch she used constantly to explain her meaning and she was perfectly frank about the occurrences of june twenty five eighteen seventy six except on one point she ignored all questions as to the whereabouts of sitting bull during the fight skilfully avoiding the interrogation or totally ignoring it she made many excursions into sioux history of that time but sitting bull her kinsman who skulked in the hills while his people were carrying out the annihilation of the troops she would not speak of once exasperated by the questions of the third party to the hearing she asked if he was a lawyer and being assured that he was not she shook hands with him very solemnly and continued her relation and this is the tale she told my brother white eyebrows had been to a dance all through the night he had been making glad the hearts of the maidens for my brother was good to look upon and the women of the hunk papa know a good man all the night he had danced with the other young people it was not a war dance but just a merry-making of the younger people a few days previous our men had fought with the crows and shoshones general crook's allies and the enemies of my people had fallen as leaves when they turn yellow we were not harmed and there was no mourning in the village of the sioux on the plateau beside the greasy grass the river that the white men call the little big horn when my brother came to my tepee from the dance i still slept late the night before i and the other women of the Hunkpapa had laboured to make ready for the march that we were to take up that morning where we were going i know not where the men of the sioux go there go the women it is their duty and their pleasure our people were roaming through the country that had been given them before the coming of the whites the country was good there was rich grass for the ponies and sweet water the fields glowed with prairie flowers of yellow and red and blue there were buffaloes in the valleys and indian turnips on the hills for the digging we were rich in provisions and no man had a right to put out his hand and tell us that we should not roam the village by the greasy grass was but the stopping place for a day or two and we had no thought of a fight with the white man the crows and shoshones we had no fears of for the lodges of the sioux were many and their men brave as the lion of the mountains but we were to move out to the northwest and i had made many bundles of my store thus it was that i lay sleeping when my brother came to the tepee in the dawn and asked for food i unpacked some of the bundles and prepared his breakfast buffalo meat stewed with turnips and set it before him and as he ate the people of the village awakened and the sun rose higher i have said that our lodges were many but how many people there were i know not there were about ten thousand indians including women and children in the village but the women were all at work and the ponies were being rounded up and preparations for leaving went on that we might be away before the heat of the day became great as it sometimes is in the country of my people and in the valleys near the big hills the village was made along the greasy grass and between that river and the big horn which flows north to the yellowstone the Blackfeet, who were not many had the place at the south end of the village next to the Blackfeet and closer to the river were my people the hunkpapa down the river and next to the hunkpapa were the minneconju and below them the sansart behind the hunkpapa away from the river were the ogalala and the rule, and below the minneconjou to the north were the cheyennes up the river from the village of the blackfeet there was thick timber and through this we could not see i have seen my people prepare for battle many times and this i know that the sioux that morning had no thought of fighting we expected no attack and our young men did not watch for the coming of long hair custer and his soldiers most of the women were occupied in packing their stores preparatory to breaking camp and some of them were working along the bank of the river on the east side of the river an old man had shot a buffalo that morning and near where the buffalo lay dead some women and children were digging indian turnips these people first saw the soldiers who then were far to the east they were on the little hills between the greasy grass and the rosebud rivers they were six to eight miles distant when first seen and some of the younger people hurried in from the place where the buffalo was killed to notify the camp we could see the flashing of their sabres and saw that there were very many soldiers in the party my people went on with their work making ready to move across the big horn but the tepees were not yet down the men of the sioux were much excited and they watched the coming of long hair and hurried the women the village was not made for a fight and they would move on we had seen the soldiers marching along the high ridge on the east side of the river and were watching them but had not seen these others approaching mrs spotted hornbull halted in her story and thought for a few moments then she struck her hands sharply together to imitate the rattling of carbine fire and continued like that the soldiers were upon us through the tepee poles their bullets rattled the sun was several hours high and the tepees were empty bullets coming from a strip of timber on the west bank of the greasy grass passed through the tepees of the blackfeet and hunkpapa the broken character of the country across the river together with the fringe of trees on the west side where our camp was situated had hidden the advance of a great number of soldiers which we had not seen until they were close upon us and shooting into our end of the village where from seeing the direction taken by the soldiers we were watching we felt comparatively secure the women and children cried fearing they would be killed but the men the hankpapa and blackfeet the thoogalala and many kanju mounted their horses and raced to the blackfeet tepees we could still see the soldiers of long hair marching along in the distance and our men taken by surprise and from a point whence they had not expected to be attacked when singing the song of battle into the fight behind the blackfeet village and we women wailed over the children for we believed that the great father had sent all his men for the destruction of the sioux some of the women put loads on the travois and would have left but that their husbands and sons were in the fight others tore their hair and wept for the fate that they thought was to be the portion of the sioux through the anger of the great father but the men were not afraid and they had many guns and cartridges like the fire that driven by a great wind sweeps through the heavy grassland where the buffalo range. the men of the hunkpapa the blackfeet the ogolalla and the minikonju rushed through the village and into the trees where the soldiers of the white chief had stopped to fire the soldiers renos had been sent by long hair to surprise the village of my people silently had they moved off around the hills and keeping out of sight of the young men of our people had crept in south of what men now call reno hill they had crossed the greasy grass and climbed the bench from the bank the way from the river to the plateau upon which our tepees stood was level but the soldiers were on foot when they came in sight of the blackfeet then it was that they fired and warned us of their approach mrs spotted hornbull stopped an instant and then said if the soldiers had not fired until all of them were ready for the attack if they had brought their horses and rode into the camp of the sioux the power of the Dakota nation might have been broken and our young men killed in the surprise for they were watching longhair only and had no thought of an attack anywhere while they could see his soldiers traveling along parallel with the river on the opposite side and more than a rifle shot back from the river longhair had planned cunningly that reno should attack in the rear while he rode down and gave battle from the front of the village looking on the river but the great spirit was watching over his red children he allowed the white chief reno to strike too soon and the braves of the sioux ran over his soldiers and beat them down as corn before the hail they fought a few minutes and the men of the Papa, the black feet oglala and the kanju bore them down and slew many of them all who did not get across the river were killed and long hair was still three miles away when nearly all of the bluecoats that came to kill the sioux at our end of the village were dead only those escaped who were mounted on horses and got across the river those who crossed the river got on a high hill to the east where our young men did not attack them further until after custer and his men were killed two score of the bluecoats lay dead on the field and our people took their guns and many cartridges and the morning was in the houses afar off where the women of the white braves waited to hear of the victory they expected their young men to win the shadow of the sun had not moved the width of a teepee pole's length from the beginning to the ending of the first fight and while it was going on the old man who had shot the buffalo east of the river and some of the women and children who had been digging indian turnips and were cut off by the approach of reno's men came to the camp they had seen the soldiers of long hair and had heard the firing of reno's men and had secreted themselves in the timber along the river until the guns no longer spoke down the greasy grass river three or four miles from where reno's men had crossed the river and over across from the camps of the cheyennes and the sands arc there is an easy crossing of the greasy grass the crossing is near a butte and around the butte there runs a deep ravine from longhair's movements the sioux warriors knew that he had planned to strike the camp of my people from the lower end as reno struck it from the upper end even the women who knew nothing of warfare saw that reno had struck too early and the warriors who were generals in planning even as longhair was knew that the white chief would attempt to carry out his plan of the attack believing that reno had beaten our young men there was wild disorder in our camp the old women and children shrieked and got in the way of the warriors and the women were ordered back out of the village so that they might not be in the way of our soldiers and our men went singing down the river confident that the enemy would be defeated even as we believed that all of reno's men had been killed and i wept with the women for the brave dead and exulted that our braves should gain a great victory over the whites led by long hair who was the greatest of their chiefs and whose soldiers could then be plainly seen across the river from a hill behind the camp at first and then from the bank of the river i watched the men of our people plan to overthrow the soldiers of the great father and before a shot was fired i knew that no man who rode with long hair would go back to tell the tale of the fight that would begin when the soldiers approached the river at the lower end of the village the story-teller paused and was then asked the question where was sitting bull during the fight she went on as though she had not heard the question from across the river i could hear the music of the bugle and could see the column of soldiers turn to the left to march down to the river to where the attack was to be made all i could see was the warriors of my people they rushed like the wind through the village going down the ravine as the women went out to the grazing ground to round up the ponies it was done very quickly there had been no council the night before there was no need for one nor had there been a scalp dance nothing but the merry-making of the young men and the maidens when we did not know there was to be a fight we could not be prepared for it and our camp was not pitched anticipating a battle the warriors would not have picked out such a place for a fight with white men open to attack from both ends and from the west side no what was done that day was done while the sun stood still and the white men were delivered into the hands of the sioux but no plan was necessary our chiefs and the young men rode quickly down to the end of the village opposite to the hill upon which there now stands the great stone put up by the whites where longhair fell between that hill and the soldiers was a ravine which started from the river opposite the camp of the sands arc and ran all the way across the butte to get to the butte longhair must cross the ravine but from where he was marching with his soldiers he could not see into the ravine nor down to the banks of the river the warriors of my people of all the bands the Sanzark, the cheyenne the brule the miniconjou the okalala the blackfeet all had joined with the hunkpapa on our side of the greasy grass and opposite the opening into the ravine soon i saw a number of cheyennes ride into the river then some young men of my band then others until there were hundreds of warriors in the river and running up into the ravine when some hundreds had passed the river and gone into the ravine the others who were left still a very great number moved back from the river and waited for the attack and i knew that the fighting men of the sioux many hundreds in number were hidden in the ravine behind the hill upon which longhair was marching and he would be attacked from both sides and my heart was sad for the soldiers of longhair though they sought the lives of our men but i was a woman of the sioux and my husband my uncles and cousins and brothers all taking part in the battle where men who could fight and plan and i was satisfied pizzy gall and many of his young men had recrossed the greasy grass river after the white men had been driven off or killed in the earlier engagement at the upper end of the village where he with some of our warriors had been shooting at the soldiers who were chased to the hill and the soldiers had been shooting at them but could not hit the sioux when pizzy gall recrossed the river many women followed his party and we heard him tell his men to frighten the horses of the soldiers which were held in small bunches with shoutings that we could hear across the river the young men stampeded the horses and the women captured them and brought them to the village the indians fought the soldiers with bullets taken from the first party that attacked their village and many rode the horses captured from the white men who had fled to the hill to the northwest. a great many women and children were driving in the ponies of the sioux but i remained with many other women along the bank of greasy grass river i saw crazy horse lead the cheyennes into the water and up the ravine crow king and the hunk papa went after them and then gall who had led his young men and killed the soldiers he had been fighting farther up the river rode along the beach by the river to where long hair had stopped with his men i cannot remember the time when men fight and the air is filled with bullets when the screaming of horses that are shot drowns the war-whoop of the warriors a woman whose husband and brothers are in the battle does not think of the time but the sun was no longer overhead when the war-whoop of the sioux sounded from the river bottom and the ravine surrounding the hill at the end of the ridge where longhair had taken his last stand the river was in sight from the butte and while the whoop still rung in our ears and the women were shrieking two cheyennes tried to cross the river and one of them was shot and killed by longhair's men then the men of the sioux nation led by crow king hump crazy horse and many great chiefs rose up on all sides of the hill and the last we could see from our side of the river was a great number of gray horses the smoke of the shooting and the dust of the horses shut out the hill and the soldiers fired many shots but the sioux shot straight and the soldiers fell dead the women crossed the river after the men of our village when we came to the hill there were no soldiers living and long hair lay dead among the rest there were more than two hundred dead soldiers on the hill and the boys of the village shot many who were already dead for the blood of the people was hot and their hearts bad and they took no prisoners that day the woman sat playing with the edge of her blanket of the dreadful things that took place on the hill after the command of the unfortunate custer had been annihilated she would of course say nothing the women of her nation finished the work of the warriors on that awful field i asked her if there was any more fighting not much the men on the hill renos were safe to stay there until they wanted water gaul kept his men along the river some of the soldiers were shot as they tried to reach the water there was some fighting too but none of our young men were killed that night the sioux men women and children lighted many fires and danced their hearts were glad for the great spirit had given them a great victory all along the valley of the greasy grass fires were lighted and the women laughed as they labored hard to bring in the fuel for in the darkness they could see the gleam of the flames on the arms of the soldiers fastened in a trap on reno hill the people had taken many guns cartridges horses and much clothing from the soldiers and they rejoiced while the fires lit up the field on the hill across the river where the naked bodies of the soldiers lay we had much money but did not know at the time what its real value was and a lot of green paper money was kept in my tepee for some time before being disposed of all night the people danced and sang their songs of victory and they were strong in their might and would have attacked the soldiers who lay through the night on what you call reno hill but gall and crow king and crazy horse would waste no lives of the sioux braves They said we will shoot at them occasionally but not charge they will fall into our hands when the thirst burns in their throats and makes them mad for drink this was the counsel of the chiefs and the young men saw that it was good so while many feasted a few held the hill and the soldiers did not know it for of those who stole to the river to drink none went back alive there was fighting the next day but the sioux knew early in the day that many soldiers were coming up from the north and preparations were made to leave for new hunting grounds and while our hearts were singing for the victory our braves had won there were wailing women in the village for they had their dead since the sioux first fought the men who are our friends now they had not won so great a battle and at so little cost twenty-two dead were counted and the price was not great but what wife or mother or sister gives thought to victory when she finds her dead on the field so it was that in the midst of the rejoicing there was sorrowing among the women who would not be comforted in knowing that their dead had gone to join the ghosts of the brave the dead we took with us laid on and carried for many days for among the white men were crow and shoshone scouts who would desecrate our dead and we would have no sioux scalps dangling at their tepee poles so we went out from greasy grass river and left long hair and his dead to their friends the people scattered and the pursuit did not harm us but i still remember the bitterness of the suffering of the sioux that winter after we had met and talked with bear coat general miles on the yellowstone when we were on our way north into the land of the redcoats where we remained five winters and were frequently very destitute while we remained there so it was that the sioux defeated long hair and his soldiers in the valley of the greasy grass river which my people remember with regret but without shame we are now living happily and in friendship with the whites knowing that their hearts are good toward us the great chiefs who led that fight are dead gall crow king crazy horse big road and the other head men are dead and gone to the land of ghosts but their deeds live and we of the sioux nation keep them in our memories even as we keep in remembrance long hair and his men whose bravery in battle makes the bravery of their conquerors a thing that cannot be buried in the grave nor forgotten because their ghosts are at peace and Mrs. Spotted Hornbull put the corner of her shawl to her face and wiped away a tear, forced perhaps by the thought that the husband of her youth, whom she has not forgotten, though she has had many offers from chief men of her people, was with the ghosts of those others who fought with and against him on that June day, thirty-three years ago, in the valley of the Little Big Horn. End of section ninety-three. This recording is in the public domain.